Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, Welfare Crew. I'm back. This bonus series of Candid Run Chats is here to keep you company on your many miles. In this series, I will join famous faces and avid runners to talk through how running has impacted and in some cases saved their lives. It's all made possible by our sponsor, Brooks. With running at the heart of what they do, Brooks develop the most innovative running gear out there. And that's not all. Every design and engineering choice is made with us in mind, as they want to make running a better experience for everyone. Ultimately, no matter where you start, Brooks wants to ensure that running leads you to a happier place. Let's talk about that happy place with this week's guest. Today I'm heading out on a run along the river with the brilliant Charlie Watson. Charlie is a British runner with 12 marathons under her belt, plus the six-star finisher medal. She's also a registered dietitian, author of Cook, Eat, Run, and a firm believer that marathon training and ultimately running can be a happy experience when armed with the right tools and snacks. Welcome, Charlie. Thanks. Thank you so much for joining me today. No problem. Fresh Thanks for in, having me. Fresh in from LA yeah, with I your turn. I know. <laughs> Literally, it's like cold and grey in London, but I can't complain, at least it's not raining. So, Charlie, I read that running has been a major part of your life for 10 years. Yeah, nearly that. Um, well, I started working at Good Housekeeping first um, and was eating everything that I was cooking. Um, and so I basically had to start running to balance that side of my life. But also, I signed up for the London Marathon in memory of one of my friends. Um, he sadly passed away when we just finished uni and I wanted to do something positive in his memory, raise some money for mind um, and yeah, thought why not sign up for a marathon, no idea how long it is, had never run before but it seemed like a good idea. And so then you found yourself training for the London Marathon? Yes, I literally had to Google like very beginner marathon training plan and I started at one mile. Um, so embarrassing but I actually paid a personal trainer to come and run with me when I first started running just because because I, I didn't even know how you found a like a mile route now that's, I'm like surely that's a fundamental thing that everyone knows how to do but it just didn't occur to me that you could like this was before sort of you know all the fancy phones and watches and I literally was like where do you go to run and so circling back to that moment of when you hired the personal trainer, was that because you just felt you'd signed up for this big challenge in, in memory of your friend, but you just did not know where to start? Yeah, I, um, I didn't know any other runners. I, I just started reading blogs and um, they all seemed to be already running the three miles, four miles. They're like three easy miles. And I'm like, well, how do you get to three easy, easy miles? miles. Um, and so I kind of thought, right, well, who do you go to for fitness advice because running is fitness so I was like all right a personal trainer and he taught me how to pace a bit better because when I very first started running I would just sprint out my front door 
and then be exhausted by the time I got to like the end of the street and have to stop, which I think a lot of new runners do. They just go out way too fast and then can't sustain the pace. Yeah, and how long did it take before you were then running on your own and you were fully submersed in marathon before training? I was like, I can't afford to pay someone to run with me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think it took about a month right. um, up to that point where I could run, run a 5K. Not that I knew it was 5K at the time, but I could run this whole leap. And then I was like, right, I think I've got this. And that's when I started literally with a very beginner marathon training plan and built up from, from there to the 20, 26 miles. Well, ran, I think I did one 20 miler in that, that training plan. And was it on that, and did that marathon then go, that marathon training all go smoothly after that? Or? Not really. Um, so that was one year. That was 2011. And actually a couple of weeks before the marathon, I developed an ITB injury. So I got my, had my knee like, just I would say when it basically had a strained ITB, couldn't run. They told me I couldn't do the marathon that year. So thankfully, I didn't give up fitness completely at that point. And so I didn't run the marathon in 2011, but deferred my place for 2012. And I think like the hardest bit is starting. So once I'd got to this point where I was running, you know, 16, 17 miles, in that first 2011 training, I was like, right, well, I can do this. I can definitely do it. Um, so yeah, not so smooth, because I was doing nothing but running. That was the key, um, I think, to the injury, was all I was doing was getting out there, running my mileage, and not doing any strength or stretching. Again, because yeah. I didn't know what I was doing. I'm really interested to know that when you got dealt that news that you couldn't run, um, the London Marathon after you put so much effort and training into it how you managed to find the strength to go it's okay I'll just do it next year because it would be so easy just yeah. to not do it um, I think it really helped that I'd raised quite a lot of money for mind at this point and was not like the marathon wasn't for me it was for my friend Vic and it was in his memory and I think if I'd given up that would have felt like I was failing him right so having something bigger not just this personal goal but this like right it's for charity it's to get people talking more about mental health and depression it's in his memory right let's make this like I, I was almost determined to do better the following year and then what did change in your training from from that one year to the next so I I tra the training plan was the same in terms of the running but I that's the year I sort of fell in love with fitness classes so I did some strength stuff, I did spinning, I did yoga. Still don't love yoga, but I know how good it can be. Um, yeah, more that I just did some strength and some like cross training rather than just pounding the pavement then getting back and sitting on the sofa. And you really credit the, the change in your body for yeah. dealing with marathon training. Definitely. I think, I think I probably lost some weight over that time, um, which was it the fact that I wasn't just running like because my training plan was definitely just get the mileage in there was no speed work there was no like tempo run threshold nothing at, at all like that it was just like right go out get the mileage done so I think adding in a bit of hit training adding in some strength 
changed my body composition, but also made my body stronger and more prepared for the mileage. One of the interesting things that I've learned about you from your book is actually to do with weight gain and marathon training. <laughs> it's one of the things I think a lot of people sign up to a marathon or there is a percentage of people that sign up to a marathon and they assume that they're going to come out Looking two like foot Paula taller yeah. Yeah, and very leggy. Yeah. But obviously you experienced something different. Well, at that point I had no idea what to eat before, during, after a marathon. And I would get back so hungry and eat literally like a packet of chocolate digestives and a baked potato. And that would be my like post-run refuel. And I was running lots, which is great, but also eating lots, which is fine if you're eating the right kind of things, refueling your body and eating the right amount of calories to fuel your running. But I was definitely exceeding, exceeding the calories than like then I was burning so I did not lose any weight I put it on and did, it, training. did that change how you felt about yourself um not really because I was just like this is amazing that I can cover this distance and like at the time I wasn't so focused on weight but I was like surely I've run this far like surely I should be losing weight like um and also I felt terrible when I hit mile 20 during the marathon because I didn't feel at all. So that's when I started being like, right, okay, I'm burning so many calories. Surely I should be at least level. Yeah. Um, and then also learning how to fuel my body so that I could perform better. I didn't hit the wall. Didn't feel so dreadful afterwards because I threw up in my friend's new boyfriend's car on the way home. Did you? Yeah. Luckily they're married now, so it's fine. <laughs> but... I, th- I threw up at the London Marathon um, as I came over the Did you? finish line. Yeah. Oh, no. I went for a sprint finish. And um, your body doesn't know what you, what's hit oh, it. It really did it. Not especially when you come over that line and then you just stop. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was fine. St John's Ambulance people took me into a tent, gave me a bag, said, you're not the first, you won't be the last. Yeah. And then after five minutes, I was on my merry way. I think it's hard because at the end you don't want to eat any fuel. You probably want to stop drinking because you're feeling just rubbish. And so you're asking your body, it's already been running for, for a lot of us for like three and a half hours. Like to be like then, right, oh, we're getting a sprint finish on. Yeah. Like, no wonder it rebels. Exactly. So I have to say, I've had a little glance over your race times. Yeah. And so to bring your running up to today, you... You ran your first marathon in 4.54. Yep. And you're now going for a sub 3.30. Yeah, trying to get a Boston qualifying time to run Boston, hopefully next year. Um, so I ran a 3.38 in Edinburgh last year, which wasn't quite the goal, but I feel like it... I feel like when you finish a marathon, it can either go, like... You can either be like, right, well, I'm never going to be able to do the better than that, or you use it as a fuel to fire up for the next one, which that has definitely done. And what has evolved in your training? You obviously mentioned that from that first marathon to your second marathon, you, you joined a gym and you found classes and you found yoga. Have you leveled that up even more these um, days to, to really go for this fast time? Yes and no. I think a lot of running comes like from experience or as like 
Um, Jared Ward, who's a very fast American runner, says that your body has like the mileage in it. It knows it's got experience within your body if you've been running for a long time. And so I think it's a mixture of that, training smarter, so doing a lot more speed workouts, getting a lot more marathon pace miles in, just changing the way I was training and then combined with classes, although I did confess to you earlier, I did a class on Tuesday and my whole body still hurts from it. So maybe not quite so adapted to it. <laughs> I'm really interested to know how running led you to a career as a dietitian because you obviously started running, you became a runner, you've got your brilliant running blog, Instagram, The Runner Beans, and now you've got your own cookbook, which has just come out, Cook, Eat, Run. Um, but in between that, you trained as a dietitian. Yeah. So I was working in the magazine industry and, as I said before, eating quite a lot, um, working at Good Housekeeping, testing all the recipes, which was both great and awful. Um, and I wanted to learn more about fueling, fueling your body for exercise. There seemed to be so much conflicting messaging out there from bloggers, Instagram was just growing and I was fed up with not knowing who to trust and wanted to have the, you know, the scientific, uh, the evidence-based information in front of me and to be able to talk with some credibility about it. And so I thought about just doing a nutrition course, but wanted to have like the top level of training that I could get at that stage. So I um, spoke to a lot of people and they suggested a dietetics degree rather than like an online nutrition course, which was, yeah, five years ago. Had to do the prerequisites, which was like biology and chemistry, A-level, which was brutal. And yeah, then started did four years training. Thought I wanted to do sports nutrition with it. But while I was studying, I had nearly a year in hospitals and absolutely loved the clinical side of dietetics. So, yeah, I'll start a new job in a hospital soon. And dietetics, how does that differ from being a nutritionist? So, the work, like the, the profession dietitian is a protected term, whereas a nutritionist, you can call yourself one with one of these online courses. Right. Whereas as a dietitian, you know that they've got a degree. There are some registered nutritionists who have a degree in a great, but there are a lot of less credible ones out there too. Um, and sort of on average, a nutritionist works with sort of well people, whereas dietitians work more in a hospital area, looking after both the well and the ill population. That's real generalization, but you'll probably find more dietitians in hospitals and more nutritionists doing private practice. And were there any light bulb moments to do with nutrition when you were studying, when you were like, oh my God, that's so obvious, but I just didn't know. Well, I think the main thing that like, I share is just eat real food. It's really hard to overeat on real, you know, like avocados. But once you put like tortilla chips and make the avocado into guacamole it's a lot easier to just keep eating yeah um or into like avocado chocolate mousse oh yeah i mean 
that stuff just slips right down, doesn't it? Well, um, and not that, there's, that that's not great too, but if you eat food in its more real form, I find it like nourishes your body a little bit more. Like, like you get the benefits from the fiber, the vitamins, minerals, all of those good, good nutrients. Um, and I think the body is quite adapted knowing what it needs. Like um, I find myself craving like salty food. I mean, I go for chips after a marathon, but you crave salty foods because you've just been sweating for four hours. Whereas all the artificially produced foods override the body's natural hormones and the natural full systems, which is why you can keep eating like the tub of Pringles. So we're not going to see you bringing out snack bars anytime soon? Um, no, I think snack bars are great. Um, I think it's just about finding the right balance for you. For me, if I tell myself I'm not allowed to eat anything, I want it more. Yeah. So when I'm like, right, I'll give up chocolate for Lent, I literally sit there just dreaming about chocolate. <laughs> but if you can tell yourself you can have it, you're more likely to have a small manageable piece and stop. Um, so it's about finding space in your diet and your life for a bit of everything. Quick ad break. Did you know that 89% of runners said that running regularly made them happier? At Brooks, their purpose is to inspire everyone to run their path to a better self. They believe every day with a run is a better day. Running fuels happiness and optimism. It changes your perspective and helps to see the world around you in a better light. So thank you, Brooks, for your great Run Happy Outlook and sponsorship of this podcast. And so has your career shaped your own, or your new profession, shaped your own dinner plate? I think I've learned a lot more about portions, um, about creating a balanced plate, but a balanced day, more like not stressing so much over individual meals, but making sure that throughout the day, I've got enough protein, enough fat, enough carbs, and crucially, drunk enough water, which is what I struggle with. Um, and just relaxing quite a lot. I think a lot of online nutrition tells you you need to have this, this, this. If you try to like fit in everything they say you should be eating and shouldn't be eating, you'd either be eating all day or you'd be like, what can I eat? Yeah. Um, I think just trying. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. To simplify it a lot has helped. Like a lot of the recipes in the book is just easy meals, the things you'd find at your local supermarket with suggestions to change things if you want to cut out the meat or the dairy. 
but it's stuff that you probably grew up eating or something similar. It's funny, isn't it? I think, I feel the industry has done a bit of a U-turn yeah. in um, the past five years. So when I started out in my role at Women's Health, all of the books that were being released were all full of superfoods. Yep. And, and it was almost like, you know, you had to go to Whole Foods to be able to make those recipes. Yeah. And you also basically had to have a budget for food. Oh, insane. Which was as big as your travel budget each yep. month. But these days, we're, we're coming back to just basic food. Well, so many, like, I, I do talk about superfoods um, in the book, but it's things like beetroot, like sweet potato, like oats, that are superfoods for runners. Um, and they're so easily available mostly they're cheap and they're great for us without having to go and get spirulina or I suppose you know, hey. which I don't even think tastes very nice or your so. grass-fed bone broth which don't get me yeah. wrong it's lovely yeah but I've very much done the u-turn on my diet which I think the industry has done and so rather than going and spending nine ten pounds on this jar of one thing which oh, I, yeah which you know I almost thought was like the panacea of health yeah. to going the bee pollen yeah. oh my god I've still got a whole jar of that like. to going actually what am I doing in the rest of my day or the yep. rest of my week and that's actually if I thought or if, I, if I'm more conscious over that that's going to make more of a difference absolutely than... focusing on sleep on movement on like mobility and realising that nutrition is just part of a big like a holistic plan of your day week life I think, I think, yeah, simplifying it. And then going back to basics, like, let's eat seasonal food because it's got less air miles, it's got more nutrients because it's been grown in the right conditions, and let's have it locally, locally sourced. Um, that's something that I'm definitely trying to do more of with my meat, with my fruit and veg, um, with my dairy, and focusing more on that and making sure I've got the right nutrients rather than having to have you know something that's been flown in from the middle of Africa in a tub yeah one of the things that you've just mentioned there is getting enough nutrients and I know you're not big into counting calories in food so yeah how how is like a, a nutrition expert a dietitian do you suggest that people know that they're fueling right without doing any kind of food math so I think that there's a space for food maths if that's what is good for you. Right. Um, personally, I just don't, don't do it, but I know that there's definitely a space and time for it. But um, I've included in the book just this easy breakdown of like how much protein is in things like a chicken breast or you know, a portion of broccoli and things like that. So it's about learning easy things that you have regularly because to be honest, most of us have like eight to 10 meals that we eat and make on rotation. And if you learn, right, okay, this one's higher in protein than this one, so I'll have that after a hard workout. This one's higher in carbohydrates than this one, so I'll have that the day before or the day of a big run. And educating yourself around that without getting obsessed with, I've got to bring a scale out. Yeah. <laughs> when it comes to everyone who's, who's probably, they're, they're on month two now yeah. of um, a new running plan, They've either taken it for the new year because they signed up for the race or they're trying to use uh, running to get fitter and healthier. What's your kind of like 
nutrition non-negotiables would you say for for runners you've just touched upon having protein yep. afterwards and having carbs beforehand. Yep. Is there anything else that you subscribe to? Well, definitely a mixture of carbs and protein after. So you want a kind of three to one ratio, like three parts carbohydrate to one part protein, which a lot of protein sources have carbs in too, like beans, broccoli, that sort of thing. Um, I actually just like having a coffee after a run if I, in the morning, like a milky coffee. Um, a lot of people who don't have um, like cow's milk, if they had that, they would struggle to get the protein. So making sure that they've got a protein source with the carbohydrate. So um, either having like a scoop of protein powder into their coffee or something like that is quite an easy way of getting a carbon protein mix straight after the run. Right. Um, but I think it's make it basically making sure you're fueling enough so that you can complete your exercise plans because if you're eating the same amount as you were before and you've suddenly added in five extra workouts a week that might not be enough fuel yeah so looking at your overall daily and weekly intake of food ensuring that you're getting enough yeah carbs and protein and then hydrating properly um i went to the doctor just before christmas and he was like I think the reason you're feeling this this bad is because you're only drinking about two litres a day and I think you need more like three. And I was like, oh, I've always just drunk around two. So working out what the right hydration level is for you and what makes you feel good, because that's when I feel rubbish is when I don't drink enough water. Well, I think what you've just mentioned there as well is knowing your body. Yeah. So I think it, for so many years, I was definitely guilty of treating symptoms rather than problems yep so and and you just keep treating the symptoms yeah it's actually you're like if i just sort the problem then yeah. i won't have the symptoms my problem was is that i was just always on the go yep and i didn't consider my uh, my like my life out of trainers and my life in trainers like i kind of thought they like lived independently mm-hmm. and not realizing that there's this massive interplay and so yeah, your body doesn't know where the stress is coming from. No. It just recognises stress and your cortisol levels rise and you feel rubbish. Yeah. And you think, right, well, I'll sort this out with a hip workout. Yeah. But actually, sometimes you're just adding more stress, stress to yourself. Yeah, 100%. Do you do any tracking each week of either kind of just basic stuff like just using a watch for your miles or using heart rate variability? Yeah, so I use a watch... Um, and I track mileage, workouts. Um, sometimes I try and not have it like set so that I can see the pace because I know that I can get a bit obsessed with that. So on easy runs, just covering my watch. And then, yeah, I look at heart rate. I know it's not so, the, the wrist heart rates aren't so reliable, but I find it quite good knowing, like when I was sick before Christmas, just seeing that my resting heart rate was like 10 beats higher than normal. Being like, okay, my body knows it's sick. It's not just me being pathetic. Um, so using the data to not obsess over, but use it as a, as a tool to look at what's going on. So use it as like an indicator of, right, do I need to slow down? Do I need more sleep? Have I worked out too much this week or could I move a bit more? And then again with the stress levels, 
looking at more like workouts like Pilates or again don't love yoga but the slower workouts that will will move my body or just going for a walk without adding stress to it and you're about to start a new job yeah how will you fit in your training around a new job because I think a lot of the time we see on Instagram people talking about fitting in training but they don't have nine to five jobs yeah, absolutely and um, they've got they've got brilliant careers where they can you know they can go out for a two-hour run in the middle of the day yeah. or they can do it at 8 a.m not five yeah um how will you tackle a, a full-time job and um the mornings morning. like i'm terrible in the evening i can do a class in the evening if i've got people to go and meet but i have to do my runs in the morning so it's just going to be about going to bed earlier so that i can yeah. get up earlier um, but also just being a bit more, a bit kind to myself and realising that maybe running six times a week isn't going to be sustainable when I start working. So then looking at how I can, maybe I cut some of the mileage down or I take it week by week to be like, right, these are the three key runs or key workouts. The other ones, let's spit them in if I can. And if I can't, fine. I'm just relaxing a little bit about it. I think we can get, especially marathon training, we get so, we're like, if I don't do this one run, my marathon and training is ruined. Yeah. Whereas actually, sometimes a rest day or a walk or a, a class with a friend is more beneficial mentally and physically than that eight mile easy run. And then also just taking it week by week. If you know you've got a really heavy week at work, like don't add the pressure to yourself of being like, right, I need must fit in 10 sessions. Look at that week, sit down on a Sunday or, mon- or Monday night and be like, right, let's plan in what I think is reasonable this week and what is going to have to be dropped. Um, I missed a training run when I was in Holly in LA because it just was too stressful with like the family we were staying with, where we were staying. And I really beat myself up about it. And I was like, well, so many people commented being like, again, one run, one missed run does not mean a missed marathon. And also, we like this is our hobby. This is something we're supposed to be doing for fun. Adding so much stress and like anguish to our lives over a training run sort of defeats the point of doing marathons and running in the first place. It's um so I'm just bringing out a running book in in April actually called yeah, I Can Run. And one of the points in that book is that actually the 26 miles which you run on the marathon. It's the shortest yep. number of miles. Also, it's the least mileage you're ever going to do in a week during marathon training. Pretty much, yeah. Don't worry about the other stuff. And so look after your mind. I think, you know, on, on marathon day, you know, that you, it, you draw so much from your energy reserves, both mentally and physically. And if you've beaten yourself up for 12 weeks, those reserves are going to be so low on marathon day that you're going to have nothing to, to draw from. So making sure that you're looking after your whole body, emotionally, physically, you know, sleeping enough, spending enough time with friends and family rather than just getting into this whole I must train zone. And how do you do that? Because I think one, one of the struggles of marathon training is that I must train zone. Yeah. So when you're, when you're training, you feel like you don't have a social life. Yeah. And when you have a social life, you feel like you're cheating on your training. Yeah, it's tough. Like on Tuesday, I ran to meet my friend for a coffee. Yes, I was a bit sweaty and gross. And she probably didn't want me to touch her baby. But 
I'd done my six mile run and saved money on the tube, didn't have to get on the tube during rush hour and then was there to see her and chat. Yeah, I think um, run commuting is a great way of like, especially for my easy miles. I used to do that a lot when I was on placement. I would run to work in the morning. Um, great if you've got a shower at work. Especially if you've got, you know, if you live in London, often it's six miles from the office to your door. And that takes you nearly an hour on the tube. And yeah. it's disgusting. So at least this way you're kind of killing two birds, saving money, saving saving some time by um, getting it done. You're one of the few people I've met who's got the six-star finisher medal. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, it was my goal a couple of years ago. And I basically just had to do one a year until I got it. I wanted to do them before I was 30 and just made a commitment to making it happen. For those listening at home who are not yet up to speed on what the six-star finisher medal is, yeah. can you just run them through it? So it's the six marathon majors. Um, it's, so London is one of them. New York, Tokyo, Berlin, Chicago and Boston. Um, they're all sponsored by Abbott, so that's what the, they kind of are. It's the Abbott uh, six-star finish. But I think that they're... They're like that because there's another challenge for elite runners that they get points if they do well within the six stars or um, the world majors. And then you can win at the end. I mean, I'm nowhere near that. So I get to win the medal at the end. But um, for slower runners that are not going to be winning any first places, it's basically just a goal to, to achieve all six finish all six marathons and get this extra medal. And which was your favourite out of them? So, I love London. I've done that three times. And the one I ran, the time I ran with my husband was my favourite ever. Um, but after that, New York, it's like, I kind of tried to explain it being like, imagine London, but then Americans cheering. So it's literally, you feel so special running an American race like that. A lot of people that are listening in are actually training for London. Yeah. And as you've done it three times, would you have any course tips or training advice for them? Um, course tips would be tell your spectators to like tell you exactly where they are. Um, my mum always sends me a text to say, like, I'm like literally on the left after this, and she has a balloon, like a helium balloon, so that I can see her from miles off. But also don't stress if the you know, if you're not, if you're in the line for the loo, when the gun goes off, don't worry. Like your time doesn't start until you cross the start line. I had a, such a panic when I thought I'd missed the entire marathon because I needed the loo. But actually taking five minutes at the start means you don't have a frenzied, you know, look for the loo five miles in. Um, and just enjoy it. Like, especially if this is your first marathon, just trying to, be like right I've trained so hard for this this is actually like the victory lap like never in training have you had that many people cheering for you that big of a you know prize at the end so just try and take it all in what races can we see you at this year um so I'm doing the Manchester Marathon in April and Brighton Half Amazing. so those are my only two on the calendar right now thank yeah. you so much for that run thank you 
for everyone that wants to check in with your running you're at the runner beans on instagram at the runner beans yeah and uh, my blog is just therunnerbeans.com and cook eat run is cook, out eat, now run. yeah out now excellent guys do check in with charlie she's one of the smiliest runners i know and has loads of advice for you and check out the cookbook because not only is there loads of recipes from charlie but there's loads of recipes from elite athletes yeah. around the world yeah people that know far better than i do about what to eat for fueling um you know there's silver medalist dina castor she's got a silver medal from the athens olympics and yeah and so that brings today's episode to a close with the amazing Charlie. Thank you all for listening. Do keep sharing your own running journeys with me on Instagram, hashtag welfare. It's not only me that looks at them. There is loads of other runners within this community which are commenting and following the hashtag. So get involved with each other. And also, if you have any, any guests which you'd like to see on this show, put it in the review box because I read all of those comments. Thanks very much. Before we go, a final thank you to our Run Chat sponsors, Brooks, whose shoes are the best run companion on dark, wet days. Check out my Instagram or their website to see more of the product in action. And don't forget, I love, love, love seeing your journeys. So please do use hashtag welfare on your running posts on Instagram. And if you've got any kind of like requests for guests or content, please drop it in the review section on iTunes. I do go on there and read all of the comments. And if you haven't seen my new book yet, head over to Amazon and search I Can Run. It's the ultimate manual for helping runners of all abilities go well fast. See you next Sunday. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 